Thank you for this opportunity to be with you and to bring God's word to you on this Sunday morning, the first day of the week. You'll notice there a picture that I have taken from the internet. It's showing, of course, some cooks and they are demonstrating. Demonstrations are always very helpful for us, whether it's a cooking program or whether we see something on TV about a gardening program or perhaps you go to Bunnings and you look at some demonstration there. We find it's helpful because we see it. It's being done before us so we know what's involved and how to do it. And that helps us to do the same thing. The message this morning that has come upon my heart has to do with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. I'd like to read a story just to remind us about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's a a testimony by a man called Barry Good. At the very moment of my conversion... While I was on my knees wondering if there was a God, the Lord Jesus spoke to me. He said, if ever life becomes difficult, worship me with all of your heart and everything will fall into place. Before that time, as an atheist, I didn't even believe Jesus was an historical figure. Early the next morning, my heart was bursting with love for Jesus. I remember going outside and looking up into the sky and saying to God, Good morning, Lord. A still quiet voice inside me replied, Not up there, in here. I was taken back. But as I thought about that, I realized that if there was a God, then I had never conceived of him living anywhere else except heaven. When that inner voice said, in here, I realized with great joy that God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son had come to make their home in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I thought that was important to begin with, a message about the Holy Spirit. To realize if we accepted Jesus Christ into our life, if we have accepted and recognized him as our sin bearer and risen Lord, the Holy Spirit has entered your life and my life. He's not out there, he is indwelling. So what does that mean for us to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Well, that was going. We're just going to test something here. Here we go. (laughs) We've got a demonstration about Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for the Christian to be full of the Holy Spirit? And I've chosen Barnabas to give us a demonstration of his life that will help us to know what it means to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I think I'm going to give you a... That's not working, Greg. So what I'm going to do, Greg, I'm going to rely on you... 
to follow my prompt sheet. I want to show you a scripture there, which of course is about Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. This is a description of Barnabas, this man that was sent from Jerusalem church to go to Antioch, which would be in what we call Syria, and there the Christians were first called Christians in that city. Full of the Holy Spirit, well, Let's go, Greg. Next one, please. What does that mean? It says here that Barnabas was a good man. So it has to do with our character. Barnabas is a good man. And what is our character? Well, the the dictionary tells us it's the essential quality or nature of your person. That is, it has to do with your disposition, your temperament. What sort of temperament do you have? The Holy Spirit is working upon your temperament and the kind of person you are. If you look to go to the World Book Dictionary, it says here that goodness, to be good, applies to moral qualities that determine the way a person feels, thinks and acts in relationship to the principles of right and wrong. So the Holy Spirit wants us to be good people. And that means honorably moral, trusted, respected, recognized as sincere, genuine, having integrity. Thank you. Give us a picture, Greg, that picture. I've shown this picture here. There's a father with four sons. And if you can see the something of the detail, what we see about this family is a family likeness. The sons look like the father. And there's a likeness for each of the sons to each other. I'm showing you this here because the Holy Spirit is working within us to give us a family likeness to Jesus Christ. Are we like Jesus Christ in the way we live? Well, the Holy Spirit is shaping us to be like that. Show us that verse of Scripture. Here we are. This is what the Holy Spirit seeks to do in our character, to renew us, to transform us. To God's chosen people, you were chosen according to the purpose of God the Father and were made a holy people by his Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be purified by his blood. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, making us, shaping us to be like Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that produces in our life the characteristics of holiness, of righteousness and goodness. Thank you, Greg. This is the society we live in. This is what 
the world we live in about us. This is, of course, the Western society, and our society is obsessed with outward appearance, uh, what we dress, how we dress, the kind of label that might be on our, on our clothes, um, certain footwear that impresses others. Um, of course, in our affluent society, uh, we even want to change our body. So this is the outward appearance is very important in our society. But what does God think? What is the Holy Spirit trying to do with our lives? Thank this is what the Lord said hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came into our world. The Lord said to Samuel, people look at the outward appearance. Well, they do, don't they? The kind of car we drive, the kind of home we might have. But the Lord, what does he see? What does the Lord see as a priority? He wants to look at our life, our heart, what goes on in our life. And the Holy Spirit is at work in this, doing this. We call it a fruit of the Spirit. There's traits that the Holy Spirit is working on in our life called the fruit of the Spirit. Show us the fruit of the Spirit, Greg. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the Word of God says that the Holy Spirit is working on. Here's the fruit. I thought it would be an exercise for us here this morning. Would you, would you choose a particular fruit from that bunch of nine where you think the Holy Spirit needs to work on in your life. There could be, of course, more than, well, more than one. But the Holy Spirit, who wants to bring these traits into our life, develop them, nourish them, sometimes there are particular fruits or traits that we're struggling with could be patience, could be self-control, could be kindness. What would you select? What would you think the Holy Spirit would like to work in your life? The next thing we find out from this demonstration of Barnabas, thanks, Greg, the Holy Spirit, of course, is working to produce and develop our faith. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. This is how Barnabas was described. And the Holy Spirit, of course, prompts our very beginning of faith. God's Spirit at work in our life brings us to look at Jesus Christ. That verse of Scripture, please, Greg. When he comes, he will convict the world... This is Jesus speaking. He's speaking about God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So, right at the beginning, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin. 
who enlightens our mind about the truth of the gospel and also convinces our heart about the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us. Then, thank you, Greg, the Holy Spirit generates a personal faith. And that scripture, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he, God, poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. That is saying when we accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is there indwelling our lives. He's the one that produces and gives us the stamina and the vitality and the maturity of faith. He is at work in your life, my life. When Nicodemus came to Jesus and, and, and Jesus spoke to him about being born again, a new birth, Jesus said to Nicodemus, nobody comes into the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. The water of cleansing, cleansing from our sin, and, of course, the Spirit who regenerates us into a new birth. We don't do it ourselves. It is the Spirit of God that does that in our lives. And the Holy Spirit, thank you. Next one. The Holy Spirit confirms our assurance of faith. In our prayers, Pastor Dave prayed about being the the children of God. What a privilege. Marvellous and wonderful. We sang a song about the wonder of God's love. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Sons and, of course, daughters of God. They are being led by the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit because they belong to God. They belong to the family of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is talking about assurance. God wants us to have assurance of belonging to him, of being people who are followers of Jesus, people of hope, people of faith, people with the Holy Spirit in their life. Thank you. Next one, thanks, Greg. The Holy Spirit focuses our faith on Jesus Christ. He, the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. The Holy Spirit will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. The Holy Spirit does not want to focus upon himself. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring people to Jesus Christ and to focus on him. So the Holy Spirit will convict people and point people and focus people, you and I, onto the person of Jesus Christ who is our saviour, who is our sin bearer, who is our risen Lord. That is the task of the Holy Spirit. Let me just tell you this story. Thank you. Next picture, Greg. Here are two, two nuns. Here's a story about these two nuns. 
They offered to help an old person move from one place to another. They got hold of a utility. They borrowed a utility. They went to this old man's place, loaded up with all of his belongings and started to go to the new, his new destination. On the way, on the way, they ran, ran out of petrol. So there they were on the side of the road, wondering what to do, no petrol. And along comes a delivery van. And, of course, the man in the delivery van sees these nuns on the side of the road. He stops and they tell him of their predicament. And he says, well, look, look, I can give you fuel, but I cannot stop to help you. You'll have to do that yourself. Have you got something to – I'll siphon off some petrol from my tank. Have you got anything to put it in? Well, they they looked around – what could that? Oh, we'll use this. Can you remember an old chamber pot that you used to put under the bed? Well, the young ones wouldn't know about the chamber pot. Their mother will tell them later. A chamber pot. So they brought out this chamber pot, and yes, the man filled this chamber pot up. And he drove off. As he said, he was late. He was on another assignment. So... The, the nuns are getting ready. To, they take off the, 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 the cap of the petrol tank and they're there trying to get ready to do this so very carefully. And the policeman comes along on a motorbike. He sees the nurses, I mean, he sees the, the nuns at the side of the road. So he pulls up. He gets off his bike, comes over to them. The, the two nuns, of course, are just at this point with their chamber pot to put the petrol into the, into the, the, the car. He looks and he, he looks at what's in the pot. He, he looks back at the nuns and he says, Sisters, I sure admire your faith, but I don't think it will work. Now, what's the point of the story? The point of the story is that the nuns knew what was in the pot. They knew what they knew. It was the genuine thing. It was petrol. The police officer was mistaken. He was misconceived by just what it was in. Look, the Holy Spirit wants us to know what we know about Jesus Christ. Know what we know, why we believe it what we believe about Jesus Christ. He focuses attention upon the person of Jesus. Third thing that that Barnabas demonstrates to us, which is so important for us, service. And the verse, thank you, Greg, he served by giving. Barnabas has a piece of land. This is right at the beginning of the early church. Barnabas has this piece of land. He sells it, brings it to the apostles and says, look, you use it. Use it as, as where it's needed. And uh, he's seen by this as genuine, as, as generous. He's generous. Next thing, how does he, how's he serve? He serves by encouraging. Here's a man who is a Levite, that is, he's got a religious background. His name was Joseph. But because of his 
personality, because of God's spirit in him, he gets a nickname. The church changes his name and they call him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. There's a challenge for us, isn't it? To be people who encourage others. People who recognise the needs of others, recognise the kind of mood that I am in or you are in and gives us some encouragement, gives us the right word at the right time. Barnabas was like that, an encourager. Thirdly, we see him also. Is there? Yes, I think there's a verse as well with this, isn't it? The church at Jerusalem sent Barnabas to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Here, here's a man called Barnabas. He belonged to the Jerusalem congregation. And there's word that comes from the north about the, the, the vitality of what was happening in the church at Antioch. And so they think, we should send somebody up there. We, we should send a leadership. We, we should help them, um, give them some support. And so, well, they look around. Who can we send? Barnabas, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And they send Barnabas up there. When Barnabas gets there and sees the vitality of what's going on there amongst people who are receiving Jesus Christ as saviour, he thinks, look, this is growing and I need some help. This is where he goes and gets another man called Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He recruits Saul of Tarsus, who we come to know as Paul, the great apostle and missionary. It's Barnabas who finds Saul of Tarsus, brings him to Antioch, and together they teach the church, preach to the people, bring people into the church, introduce Jesus Christ as saviour. So here we have a man, Barnabas, giving us a demonstration of what it means to be full of the Holy Spirit. You and I can be full of the Holy Spirit. It means that the Holy Spirit is leading us, prompting us. We are aware of God's Spirit in our life. We are cooperating. We are obeying the prompting, the guidance, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You and I. God's spirit at work in us. What a wonder that is all. What a wonder that that can happen. So, next one, thank you. The Holy Spirit continues to bless the church. That is this church too. The Holy Spirit is upon this church as well to equip you, to empower you in the work and the witness to serve Jesus Christ. This is biblical. It's in the word of God. We see it demonstrated in when, what Paul writes to the Corinthian church. The Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person for the good of all. Each one of you, the Holy Spirit can use within the ministry, the work 
the witness of the church. You don't have to be up here at the front to do that. The Holy Spirit knows our capacity. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows us as a person, what we're capable of, what our faith is like, what we can be with his help and empowerment. Application. Oh, yes, I should have this. I should show you this. What robs us? What's, what's the matter? Why aren't I full of the Holy Spirit? Or why, why aren't I aware of the Holy Spirit in my life? Well, it can be ignorance. We lack a knowledge of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Or it can be just iniquity, that, that word meaning sin. It means we're careless, we're tolerant of sin too much in our life and that's getting in the way of the Spirit. Or it could be just our disposition or lack of it. It means we're reluctant to obey the Spirit of God. We want to do our own thing. And so, of course, the Holy Spirit can be limited in our life. He wants us to open up, to be obedient and to cooperate with him. The application. Thank you, Greg. Thanks. The Holy Spirit, what? Is transforming and refining my character, your character. What does that mean? Traits, certain traits, the temperament, my disposition, my personality. He is working on that, shaping it, renewing it, refining it to be what? Like Jesus, a family likeness. Strengthening my faith, of course. In what aspects is my faith weak? Look, sometimes we struggle, don't we, in being a disciple of Jesus. We can lack so many things and we're faltering. What does, what does God's word say to us? For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, that is fearfulness, but a spirit of power of love and self-control. That's what the Spirit of God, that's the, that's the character of the Spirit of God at work in us. And then finally, equipping me for service. He knows my potential and my capacity. The Holy Spirit inspires, motivates and convicts. He develops and nourishes and equips and empowers you and me, ordinary Christians. This is the Spirit of God in us, in you and I. Empowering, equipping, making us capable. We're not going to be like Barnabas, giving leadership to a church, preaching and, and doing what things he did. But we have a place. We have a place. We have a part. We have a work. We have a ministry. Why? Because the Holy Spirit equips us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. What, what perhaps, you, well, you need encouragement along the way as to at what stage of your life, how can God, how can God use you? What is he going to do in your life? Some of us are grey-headed and bald and getting too much weight on, but... What can God do with us now at this stage of our life? Or as a young person, what does God want to do with those young people at work in their lives? When a person is drunk, how do we describe that? 
What used to be the term when a person was drunk and we saw them and we would say, he's under the influence. Do you remember that? When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and to the Christians at Ephesus, he said, look, don't get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's a wonderful, very simple, basic illustration of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. When we see a person drunk, they're under the influence of alcohol. It affects the way they walk. It affects their speech. It affects their personality. It affects, well, how they act and conduct themselves while they are under the influence of drink. Now, Paul says, don't be drunk, you know, don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And we can see a contrast about the influence of the Spirit in our life. Is my mind under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Is my thinking, that is, is my thinking under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Is my body under the influence? How do I walk? Walk by the Spirit, the Word of God says. Is my behaviour under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And what about my conversation? Is that under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Am I under the influence of the Holy Spirit as a person? There's a demonstration for us. Wonderful. A wonder that God is working in us in this way. Yes. I've just checked with uh, Pastor Dave about this booklet. I've got about three or four copies, that's all. But I came across this in my, in my uh, shelves. Our wonderful guest, the Holy Spirit and his work in us. It's an explanation of further about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Somebody might be touched or somebody might be motivated. Yes, I'd like to know more about the Holy Spirit. It's a little booklet. It's helpful. It gives you basic facts about God's spirit at work in us.